All right. So, okay. I am Diana Stemkowski and I have a guest today on my podcast, Decisions Small and Large with Diana. And her name is Paula Cowan and she is based in Toronto. She is a career transition strategist, which when I heard it, when I met you in the networking group way back when, um, earlier this summer, I think, or the spring, I was very intrigued by the combinations of things that you offer your clients. So can you tell me what a career transition strategist is or does, how, it help, how you help your clients and what drew you to this particular work? Uh, okay. I, I meet my clients where they are. There's, um, it's a career or job transitions means different things for different people. So um, some people reach a point in their careers that they might've done very well at. And they, for whatever, for, well, usually a lot of reasons, they finally hit a wall, usually a combination of things in their personal life, as well as one, one change too many within their industry or within their company that just makes them say, no more, I, I want out, but I don't know what the, what my next big thing is. And it, I help them figure that out. I go over where they've been and look for unexplored the areas or um, th there's often a lot of info in what they say or even what they're censoring from what they say. And uh, it's it, it's actually quite, quite interesting. I spend more time telling my clients, just talk. I'll decide if it's important. Stop <laughs> censoring. And, <laughs> and uh, that has various results for some people. It's like pulling teeth. <laughs> it's, uh, and others. But yeah, the the... I get a lot of info by getting them to talk. And then I also assign a lot of journaling by hand mm. once they're in, once they're in my program, or sometimes even before they start my program, I'll, I'll tell them just get a cheap notebook from Dollarama and see, yes. see what things come out in the course of a work day. But um, it, I do a full career change, or um, I have another program that I call jumping ship soon to be changed to get me the hell out of here. <laughs> so someone who is uh, maybe wants to stay in the same line of work, but is in a toxic workplace. Again, it could be one, company policy changed too many that's just made them say all right I'm leaving yeah. and but they if someone who's had the same job for 10-15 years they might not have the network built up to tap into mm -hmm. just because they haven't needed it so jumping ship is all about showing up their network and putting out feelers behind the scenes so that they don't have to rely on just posting on indeed or similar sites and getting lost in the shuffle and right. having yeah. to stay in their toxic workplace for longer than they need to <laughs> <laughs> and I know several people like that who are in that situation. And I, I think you said you, um, you mentioned it in one of the times I met you in the networking group about the jumping ship. And I said, that is such an awesome name, but your, your new name is also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, it's may make that, uh, I, I have different levels to that, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's also suitable for say newcomers to Canada that need help, uh, navigating the Canadian, uh, job market. Yeah. And so that's, that's all network leveraging and hidden job market strategies. And, um, what, what I've started doing, uh, well, it, actually you're asking how I got into the field. I'm on my third career. So, I mean, I know the territory quite well, and I know the, the frustrations, the ups and downs, but I started off in human resources and recruiting. So I've been on the other side of the desk. So um, it, it, I certainly advise my clients on their resumes and their, their LinkedIn profiles, because I can't look at anything without saying, good Lord, you need to change that. <laughs> or do not send this anywhere. And 
yeah, that's that gets quite interesting. But um, so when I, actually when I started doing this, I was only calling myself a resume writer and realized I was giving out a lot of advice in the process. So I had to expand from there. But um, in between HR and this line of work, I was a behavior therapist for autistic children. Again, that's all about pattern spotting. And I took to the field because I was kind of already doing that in my in my personal life. I seem to spot patterns other people don't. And I spend a lot of time saying, am I really the only one that sees this? So that's a field where you're doing, you're pointing out the patterns of behavior to the parents, official therapy with the kids, unofficial therapy with the parents right. and advising them on how to communicate, how to manage their kid. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's I mean, you, nobody's compartmentalized completely. They, they, they think you can compartmentalize your work, but it, it spills aspects of it spill over into the other parts of your life. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, um, cause I, I knew you had a background in more of the psychological aspects, if I'm understanding correctly, that there was a degree there or I could be mistaken. Uh, I have a, a bachelor's in psychology. Got it. Okay. And the rest of it was on the job because at the it. time I went into the field, um, I think the career path was was less clear cut. I mean, now it's a lot more clear for someone coming out of university mm. that wants to pursue behavior therapy. Oh, be become board certified, and uh, right. there's a lot more. Um, that, well, I mean, it, people did it certainly when I was in the field, but through uh, universities in the states, and uh, it, it absolutely had to be remote learning and remote exam writing and things. And but by the time I I realized that. I, I should be working to be board certified to really advance in the field. I knew I was burning out mm. and it is, it's just like, Oh no, I, I know I'm going to be leaving the field for in a few years. So I, I'm not putting the time and money into it. And uh, yeah. So I knew I needed to do something else and yeah. it's physically and mentally demanding. So oh, it, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was this back when I was in college, I think we're roughly the same age, but this was in the late eighties, nineties that there's this expectation that you will follow through on your degree <laughs> and that you will, you will follow it to its natural um, destination, whatever that might be. I have a history degree, which I find vastly useful in being a coach. And, 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 and when I was a massage therapist, being able to research and being able to find, make connections between things that uh, other people didn't see. I, I'm the pattern person too. Um, and this expectation, oh, you're a history degree. Are you going to be a teacher or a lawyer? And it was like, uh, neither, you know, I just want my piece of paper, you know, I just, you know, there's all different expectations. I think, at, cause you work with different groups of people That's you it. work. And so tell me a little bit more about that journey with, you know, you're dealing with different people at different stages of their lives. Uh, and how did that, was that something that you saw as, uh, I'm just going to work with everybody and I'm just going to treat them the same or not that you would treat them the same, but just how did you develop that distinguishing between the two and what they needed or the three groups of people? The, um, I think you develop the discernment just from, well, probably the years of having to think on my feet as a therapist, just that you, you can't you can't apply the same tool to absolutely everybody. Right. So, I mean, it's everyone's, my solution for a textbook extrovert is going to be very different from someone on the other end of the spectrum, an introvert. So it's, um, how did I figure it out? I just, it, I think um, I was always leaning towards a natural aptitude in this, but for, with the uh, behavior therapy, it's, um, 
you need the aptitude to be able to fit the program to the learner. And so that's still what I'm doing in my current line of work. I'm still figuring okay. out that my client is essentially the learner. Yes. And so, okay, what's, what's best suited to them? So, I mean, a, a last summer I had a, um, a client, again, a textbook extrovert. So I, I gave him a lot, a lot of his, um, I, I assigned homework at the end of my session. So a lot of his assignments were, okay, hit up these public speaking groups and yeah, I even had him join a contest just to, cool. to get a feel for that. And, uh, but I mean, someone who is just hell bent, no public speaking, and it has to be an entirely different solution. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's it, it, how I do it, 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 being able to assess the learner, what, what they'll take to, or how they can process the info or how they'll, ways to introduce that because uh, with autistic children, you're doing that all the time. You have to be able to break things down into minuscule chunks that are, are not overwhelming for them and then also figure out their reward structure. So, well, happily, I don't have to reward my clients with M&Ms, but <laughs> for doing their work. But <laughs> because, I, because when you talked about, you know, because I haven't been on the job market in a long time because I've been self-employed. So I think for me as an outsider watching people, you know, transition as we get older, you know, our work expectations and the security that that our jobs present to us becomes more and more important, like, you know, health insurance, uh, retirement, whatever that looks like. And so it's interesting when you talked about, because that's not that I'm near retirement age, I could, if I were so inclined, be in retirement age, but it's interesting how much the job market has changed for new graduates and what the expectations are they have going into the workforce. And I'm sure that has evolved over the years. I'm, you know, just based upon how the economy works, different companies work, demands and all that. So mm -hmm. what are you telling some of the newly graduated folks? What am I telling them in terms of, of um, first job, getting the preparing the them for, you know, because I think, I guess, I apologize. Let me be clear. So there is this, when you get this degree and then there's this expectation, I'm going to find a job. There's mm -hmm. that hurdle to overcome because there's the assumption that the jobs will be out there. So how are, when the people come to you at that age, what are they, what's going through their minds as they're like, I got this degree and it was kind of expensive. Now what, how do I make myself a more attractive employee? Or is, do I need to go well, into business for myself, whatever it is? I, I don't usually see them at the new grad stage because their career center at, that's a whole other debate, ah, whether they're gotcha. any good, but their career center should be serving them in some form. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard different accounts about how good they actually are and uh, whatever else. So uh, they tend to come see me if the tactics haven't worked or if they're still struggling with their job search or even a few years down the road. If, because um, one of the first age um, checkpoints at which someone would come see me is late twenties, early thirties. Got it. If someone who's been in um, a job or career that they don't have a natural aptitude for and late twenties is when your energy starts to slow down. So of course, up until then they've bought into the, I'll, I'll just work really hard and I'll get it and I'll do really well at this. And then the energy slows down, they see their colleagues excelling and they're doing the same thing. It's like, okay, why are they thriving and getting promoted and I'm not? And that's what's going on. They don't have a natural aptitude and it's time to, to change direction, which can be hard to do if it's uh, 
if it's something they went to school for, or if they got family pressure that that's what they should be doing. And uh, yeah, it's so that that's often uh, a lot of the stuff that comes up when I, when I'm working with my client. They showed a natural aptitude for something, but of course that got squashed. And they said no, either parent or whoever else said uh, no. You can't make money at that. Do this, and of course they're not they're not happy. And so explore areas for the ways for those things to be reintroduced. But uh, the uh, anyways, I went, went off on a tangent a bit uh, for new grads. My advice is generally the best time to start building your network is yesterday. So even if they're still in school or just finishing up, definitely have a complete LinkedIn profile. Make sure they are connected to all the profs or at least all the ones they had a good relationship with and the, it start re reaching out more and see who, who they're connected to. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's still useful to connect with your classmates. And there, there's still things you can tap into in your university or say your projects or things. Um, there, there are things that can be showcased that uh, would be useful to an employer. And yeah, even things that it, I think, oh, I'm sorry. A lot of new grads that they have to work part-time anyway. It's uh, so, I mean, there may be things that you can tap into for the for their part-time jobs. A lot of people are very um, dismissive about like uh, a job waitressing or a job at Walmart until I, I draw them out a bit and say, excuse me, you work with disgruntled customers. You've lasted however many years of the job. That means you're good at it. Client service is client service. That needs to be played up everywhere you go. And so it, I do a lot of that is like, you're not taking this seriously enough. It's yeah. This is what you did in that job, and that was what you were. That is this, the transferable skill that you you play up every time you you're in an interview. So what comes up? I mean, I have a, a somebody I know who's in her fifties and has been at the same job for twenty plus years, and there is you know this this sense of um, uh, she likes what she does, but not there's a huge sense of fear that something could happen to this company because it is a small company. I don't know how desirable I am as an employee right now. There's whole dis dismissive quality of all their experience is what mm -hmm. I'm hearing. And this, I, I brought up networking <laughs> once and I, she just got this very blank look like, what do you mean networking? So yeah. how would you help somebody who is in their say late forties, early fifties, um, in this, this time period when they've been at the same job, perhaps, and that's probably rare, rare that you're going to find that, yeah. but, um, somebody in that position who just networking, I have to do what to get a job, you know, why, 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 why doesn't my resume carry the weight it used to, how would, how would because you you're one of thousands <laughs> <laughs> yeah. lost in the shuffle. Yes. yes. But it, it, my, my advice to her, well, it, likely a conversation is needed with her because she's, there's a lot of things she's obviously not taking seriously. Mm -hmm. And networking is only effective if you know yourself really well and you're able to say in within a one minute conversation, this, this is the problem I solve, or this is why people come to see me or why people hire me. Yes. Um, so, so at, the, at this point, yeah, she, she wouldn't get anything out of networking. She needs to, yeah, have a, have a few sessions with me probably and uh, have me saying, no, you're, my chat about client service or whatever, whatever it is she's doing in her job is it, 
Um, I wrote a blog post ages ago, just uh, does your resume show them the money? And that's always the question you need to be answering in any job interview, in any profile. And so with her, that would be my question is like, okay, what's, what things change as a result of your intervention? She needs to have a good grasp of that and take it seriously. And then, then she's a good candidate. If she can say, uh, this is how I either make money come in or I stop it from leaking out your door. Um, yes. Yeah. So and that's. I Okay, sorry. She needs a good grasp of that before before she starts networking or starts trying to put out feelers elsewhere. And I think what what I'm hearing you say, and and I've heard this, I've had I've said this to other clients, is that it's not necessarily how hard you work anymore. It is who you know. It is how you're selling yourself to possible employers. It's it's like what you, you're as you're referring to the, the resume, like show me where the money is. And that's a hard grasp for somebody to make who's been an employee for, you know, they don't, it's almost like you have it's, to It's not always shared with them. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And then, um, well, well, even just, uh, it, it, it's hard to, I mean, entrepreneurs struggle with this too, learning how to just say, as you meet somebody just for a, a few minutes of chit chat, just how, how you say something that immediately puts a picture in their head of a problem that they or someone else is having. Or in my case, um, I've had to to work mine so that uh, I rely heavily on referrals and word of mouth. So I have to convey that. So a person's name immediately comes to mind. And I mean, that's, that didn't come overnight. So, I mean, it's uh, yeah, I'm sure you still see a lot of people in networking events that give you like the movie trailer. It's like, when you ask them what they do or what problems they solve, like, all right, that doesn't tell me anything. (laughs) A lot of words, but <laughs> no. yeah, it's like, that's not what I asked, but uh, someone's told you, you need an elevator pitch every time you're asked that. Yeah. And I, th- I think, cause I know from my own um, history over the, I don't know, last 20 years in terms of networking was I didn't understand when I did it 20 years ago. And it felt like I had to wear a suit. I had to present as sort of like um, a, a very busy executive person. Um, in order to be taken seriously, there was a whole bunch of thinking about this whole networking thing that I was like, oh God, I hate this. But earlier this year, when I started my coaching business, I recognized I want to be able to talk to people comfortably. I want to be able to engage with them and connect with them, not just business wise, but just personally. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, networking has kind of shifted its intention that way in my eyes. Anyway, I don't know for sure, but it, there are skills here you can learn because I can vouch for that. I've learned over going to the same networking group, the ease and the comfort of being able to talk about what I do, what I offer people. So I think um, I went on a rant about networking, but anyway, it, it's just, I think it's, you're, you're hitting at a part in me, let's say 10, 15 years ago that I'm like, oh my God, no networking. But because I consider myself somewhat introverted, it's, you know, but I also went to a Toastmasters club. I joined one specifically to be a public speaker, more effective public speaker. So if there's anybody out there who's listening to this, it can happen. You can become much more better compute, uh, obviously not right now, a, a clearer more effective communicator period by practicing the skills of networking or public speaking or whatever. Yeah. I I mean, plenty of of introverts become just compelling public speakers and really it's um, the definition is misunderstood. I'm introverted as well, 
but um, introvert does not, it's not a synonym for shy. It yes. just means um, introverts, we, we take information in um, a, a larger quantity in a shorter period of time. So we, we, we generally like people, we're just tired after two hours. So we're the ones sneaking out of the party. like, okay, I need to sleep now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you make good use of those two hours. You, you cram a lot in. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, well, I guess the, the best advice I ever got about networking, I went to a, a seminar for a small business week like years ago in Ottawa. And the speaker said, um, it, networking is about finding the common ground. He said, now all of you are going to stand up. You're going to turn to the person on your right. And I'm going to set my timer for one minute and you're all going to find common ground by the end of that minute. And we all did. So yeah, it's, it can be done. So you remember that as you start, you, I remember the advice when I left university, I did I, oh, horrible networking advice to basically act like a salesperson as you circulate on the, and give out like the, the advice was you should collect 50 business cards uh, each networking event. The only time I've ever come home with 50 business cards was actually a speed networking event and I lost my voice. So that was the trade-off for that night. And so it's like, no, if you have like three or four good conversations in a networking event, you're good. And a good understanding of each, what the other does. And yeah. 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 Cause I remember that from long ago, that was sort of the expectation. So when you go into that, you're finding common ground that takes off so much pressure Yeah, that there's not this urgency to fill a quota as you're walking around the room, if you're in person or on zoom. So, you know, I think that's, when somebody reframed networking for me, I was like, oh, that I can do. That's yeah. doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also reciprocity is the other forgotten word for networking. So it's not just always saying, give me referrals or whatever. It's also remember to ask, what do you need? Yes. And it, uh, uh, circling back to my advice for the students, like don't automatically assume that you don't know anything or that you don't have anything to offer. I mean, yep. people know people. You may have someone you could introduce them to if they're trying to fill a position or if they... Um, and need advice on something. So, I mean, I'd always be willing to say, okay, well, uh, people come to me for advice on this stuff. What, what, what do you need right now? Or who, who do you need to talk to? And maybe right. I know someone, but, and then the, they'll stand out right away because so many people just approach and say, can I pick your brain? Which I drill into my clients to never use when they're approaching people. Never, never, never say that. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, pick your brain means can I have your time for free? And that, that irritates people. So, yeah. yeah, I used it as just like a, a, an icebreaker and, and just start the conversation because I didn't know how to start it otherwise. But yeah. can I pick your brain was like, anyway, I learned a way not to pick their brain. Like if they were a doctor and I wanted medical advice, it wasn't like yeah. that. I was just, I just want to start the conversation, <laughs> but yeah, I can see where that's not. Yeah. Um, one of the things, um, just a reminder, Paula isn't, you're based in Toronto, correct? Okay. Yes. And, but she does help people wherever it, you are not contained to Canadian folks, correct? Exactly. Yes. And okay. it's pretty much in any, anywhere they speak English because I can't provide service in any other languages. <laughs> worksheet-based French program. I can read it, but <laughs> <laughs> got it. Um, one of the things that you offer are in terms uh, on top of the coaching are your energy healing sessions. Yes. And then I found this fascinating and we've, we've talked about this a couple of times. So, um, we actually right before we started recording was about emotional frequencies or frequencies that you, 
want to maintain. And let, I'm just going to start the conversation there. So my question to Paula was, don't emotions have an energetic component? Or as I think you said, an energetic frequency. A frequency number. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. let's start the conversation there about the energy healing sessions. But I, I just wanted to touch on that too, because I think it's important as, as coaches. And I'm a, a thought-based coach. Thoughts create feelings, create actions, results. Mm-hmm. So emotions are like... Not that I'm in love with my own, but I love talking about them. So yeah. that's where I'm coming from. Um, <coughs> where, where to begin? Um, <laughs> I know, sorry. <laughs> uh, yes, I've started offering energy healing um, or energy clearing, um, it, it, very similar to um, Ricky distance healings. I've only ever done those by, um, by Zoom, although I, I now have the, the Reiki level one, the in-person portion. But um, it, it usually I now offer at least one with my uh, career and jumping ship packages, which I, I will probably in, increase later on just to see um, over time how, how that affects. But um, it, energy clearing can be, um, it's very helpful in, in uh, clearing out stuck emotions like anxiety, anger, or even uh, limiting beliefs. Like I can't do this job or I can't be whatever job title or um, entrepreneurs, I had um, I had one, one entrepreneur, she kept self-sabotaging because she had young children. She said, I keep thinking successful people aren't attentive parents. And so it's, instead of an emotion, that was limiting belief I cleared out of her. And it's, it's done by guided meditation, connecting the heart chakra of mother earth and their creator, and just, just guide them through that. And it's uh, the, the whole clearing, is, is usually just about 45 minutes. I'll do a 10 or 15 minute discussion with my client if I haven't met them before. And usually, um, well, nine times out of 10, the, the, the reason they give me or the blockage they give me is not the, the real issue because I'll ask them a few more questions and say, uh, no, 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 there's, there's something underneath that. And so it's a, emotions like anxiety, um, anger and resentment, they can become trapped. And uh, oftentimes you don't even know that they're there. They're hidden under other things and they're causing damage. So, I mean, either whether small or really, really big traumas, they can leave their, their imprint behind and for, for any number of reasons. And uh, if they haven't been processed out, they can, um, uh, the way I explain, um, you were saying something, something about uh, mindset. Mindset is then the, uh, I'm not, not sure your knowledge of chakras, but mindset is upper chakras. And then if you're holding, um, in any trauma or unprocessed energies in the lower chakra, um, you won't be able to process any of the mindset work. I mean, no matter how many books you buy or whatever, they'll sit on your shelf and you'll be saying, oh, I really should read these. Why can't I read them? Why haven't done that? that that's why, because you've got a blockage that is making it impossible for you to do anything with them. And uh, as, as we were saying before, if you, you can easily Google this now, there are frequencies of certain emotions. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in anger, regret, grief, they're all uh, lower emotions and keep you vibrating a lower frequency. So you, you, you don't feel as well and any work that you need to do to, um, it, 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 these are not good emotions for entre- entrepreneurs to, to have or frequencies for them to be vibrating at mm-hmm. because they can't do the, the money-making ideas can't come through or even just the thought process for the, um, the actions that'll lead to um, more progress in their business. It, it interferes with all that and serves as a blockage. So those need to be cleared out to clear the channels and allow that to come through. 
Um, so it, it, usually the, the, the saying amongst energy people is the, your vibration, you want it to be at, at love and above. So the vibration of love is at a, um, the number's escaping me. <laughs> I need to look that up, but that, that's the bare minimum. And then anything above that is, yeah. Does this have anything to do, there was a book I read, actually reread recently called Power Versus Force. And it was, they quantified, I forget, it was more kinesthetically based, like they were able to calibrate the vibration of love and it was like, a, I don't know, something was at a 200 and then it goes up to a thousand, which is anything above 700 is sort of beyond us as human beings. It's a fascinating book. And it was written, I think in the nineties, a lot of it's been debunked by a lot of things, but just the idea that different emotions ring at say different frequencies yeah. was fascinating to me because I knew in my body, regret, disappointment, sorrow, don't feel so great. Obviously I'm not going to be, you know, my light will not be shining quite so brightly if I'm in those emotions. So if, are there, I guess, during a session, how does that, just an example, how do you, you know, if you could think of maybe one client in particular where there was sort of a, uh, you could see, or you could sort of walk them through different levels of frequency. Does that make sense? Um, like in terms of rate, you know, they started here and then now they're up here. Does I that... wouldn't say it's that clear cut or I'm not, I wouldn't call it walking them through frequencies, but, okay. um, I can, I can tell you how I've witnessed some of them processing the sure. energies while I'm doing the clearing. Um, and there's one client recently, she, um, it, it, there's a variety of ways you can process. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I was showing the list to when I was doing your group clearing and I always say, okay, make sure you're in a room where you can close the door and no cats, dogs, or kids can launch on you and disturb you, um, or send the spouse out for a walk with the kids. But, uh, the list is like, you might notice that desire to move your body or just like a, a spasm. You might notice you're passing gas. And there are a few references to that. And some, one of my participants said, now I know why you told us to go in a room and close the door. <laughs> a lot of gas moving around it. <laughs> but it, it, you can also be shedding tears as well. Yeah. And so a recent, recent client, um, regret was one of the things that really needed to be cleared out of her. And she, she actually started to cry during the, um, during the clearing, which it doesn't always happen, but I, I'll see things like, um, I'll sometimes see my clients swaying back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen twitching in, in certain limbs. I mean, sometimes I can only see them from the head up or I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, it, uh, suddenly relax. So I'll see them suddenly move, sit back when I clear a really big one out of them. Um, yeah, so is it, there are things physically that I see, like that I, I don't know what frequency they're at. Right. I'm not, not at that level yet to really gauge that, but just it, I can tell something's moving out of them. And then um, I don't know if you've heard that if you um, take your eyes out of focus, you're supposed to be able to see somebody's energy field. And so I, I can do that if my client is sitting against um, a, a white wall or just a really, really light colored wall. Um, so I can usually see the energy field. And with one particular client, she needed a lot cleared out. So there was a cleared anxiety, a bunch of other probably regret and other things. But I was actually, it's the first time I've seen um, dark balls of energy like coming out of her energy field and going up. Cool. And she actually, she was one that told me when I cleared anxiety, she saw snakes slithering away from her. And 
so the, the, that, that was quite interesting. I've had a few clients report seeing animals during their, um, during their clearing, not, not guaranteed, but uh, yeah, it's, but I mean, it's, I, I'm, this is a very recent thing for me. So it's, I'm still finding out things or, or hearing things from my clients like, oh, that's never happened before. But, uh, and then uh, very, very recently uh, I did the energy field again. And this was a client who didn't experience a whole lot during the clearing, just felt very relaxed and supported. But I actually saw symbols in his energy field and I don't know what they were. And so I'm still, still learning myself, still trying to find out what I saw. But uh, so that's a fascinating journey. And oh. uh, so we had an interesting discussion about doing psychometric photography. You know, like, I don't know if that would show up, but uh, I need to experiment. <laughs> well, because I, I think that, the, you know, because the, I, I love the, the topic of energy that, you know, we, in, we are energetic beings. And I think, you know, from the standpoint of the laws of attraction, if we're at certain frequencies, there is this idea that we're going to attract our, the higher our frequency, the, the higher frequency things that we're going to attract. And there has to be alignment between us and what we want to achieve, whatever it's a goal or a relationship or whatever it is. So I've always been from, you know, back in my massage therapy days, just literally putting my hands on somebody was enough to be like, oh, you know, it was like, you know, plugging myself into an electrical socket. That's how, how I experienced it as the practitioner. And mm -hmm. then they would tell me that they're like, yeah, I was on the African plains and I was a giraffe. And it was like all this interesting imagery that came up out of this, that meant something to them. I didn't have to know, but it was for whatever reason, I, there's such, to me, such a, strong intertwining between our energetic self, our, our emotional self and what we're trying to manifest out into the world. You know, I think that there, to me, there's a direct correlation between how I'm feeling inside my emotional mm -hmm. state, my lack or plentiful, uh, you know, uh, blocks yet. We still create a lot of things with these blocks. And I think, you know, if we you know, are more aware of ourselves on this frequency level, you know, not that we have to be gurus about our own, you know, everybody else's energies or whatever, but just really staying in touch with where we are yeah. energetically. And yeah. in um, in the secret, they don't put enough emphasis on where you, where you want to be and how does that feel? Yes. It's very heavy on the thoughts become feelings and yes. monitor your thoughts, but how does that feel or yes. how as if you're in the moment and yeah, that's what makes a difference. Yeah. Cause there's a, um, a concept that I was um, trained in called future focus. Basically you're, you are starting this relationship with this future version of you that already has what you want and how, how are you imagining that feels when you get there and you can start to feel this now that, that as if I'm already there. And I think that when I heard that, and that was years ago, um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Abraham Hicks. Yes. Um, love me some Abraham Hicks, but there's the book, <laughs> you know, um, Act As If, basically. Um, that was a huge book for me in terms of like, oh, there's something in, 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 in my being, my emotional qualities, my energetic self, 
isn't reliant upon what I know or what I do. <laughs> I can attract things just by being me. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was one of the biggest like aha moments I've ever had. We're like, oh, that's so cool. And, you know, how do you do, is there a component in your coaching relationships and this energetic healing relationships where there's an educational part? Are you, that you're teaching your clients this, you know, more awareness of the, this aspect of themselves? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I'm certainly um, plowing through a way, helping them get out of their own way. Yeah. And, and so it, 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 oftentimes when, when I, if I'm doing a clearing for them, it's because uh, I've heard them uh, actually say limiting beliefs or I can't do that um, or they're getting in their own way. So it's usually that's, that's a big enough blockage that uh, re-educate and uh, yeah, it's, but I mean, I, I meet them where they are. So, I mean, I don't, um, I do say some law of attraction stuff, but uh, it's, it, it, it's not my emphasis or it's usually my emphasis is keep the energy flowing through you. Yes. And I mean, whatever, um, it, I mean, all emotions are meant to be experienced, but you have to let them pass through you and make yeah. sure that they don't set up shop and uh, stay alive. <laughs> because I, I always remember like the past is not in the past. If it's not processed, it's still in your gut and it's destroying your confidence, your relationships, and it's eventually giving you cancer. Yes. So it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Or at the very least, it is disrupting your own digestion. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, one of the things that I liked about this, this working together, what the, how, how you have this set up, is that there's more of the, the holistic approach to your coaching. And... Yes how do you, where did you make that connection and why, why did you pursue the learning about energy the way you have and offering these things? I I've been dabbling in it for years. First introduced to chakras via yoga. Mm -hmm. And then when I was considering doing, um, freelance writing, when I left the therapy field, um, I, I did some ghost writing for, for a yoga teacher who also had, had a blog and uh, she, she commented, I picked up on it rather quickly for someone who'd never studied very little about chakras. Um, it's, and then just over time, I, I started dabbling in, um, in Reiki probably about two years ago. I had a book, Self-Healing, but I didn't actually get the attunement until this past year. But uh, it's... It, it, I guess I, the book turned up when I, when I was ready to read it and ready to start. Uh, so, it, so I knew it, uh, it, it helped me a lot. So originally I just pursued it for my own self-healing. So, I mean, I, I've had anxiety and depression most of my life. So it's a way of keeping, making sure the energy is moving through me and uh, not getting stuck. But uh, of course I started seeing it with my clients or with other, um, the, the other people I, I met along the way. It's like, Oh, that's, that's anxiety based or it's, it's so often just my behavior background or just what I know about, about chakras, I could see the tie into things. And then I, I know from my, my first career upheaval, there is a mental health component that needs is that often is not addressed in career change. Cause I mean, career counselors, they're not psychiatrists, no. but, uh, um, but, but I found out through the, through getting my own energy uh, practitioner attunement that's, it can be quite effective. You don't always need to lie on a shrink's couch to get that exercised out of you or what have you, but. 
yeah. so it, it 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 was a need that I saw was not being addressed or that uh, needed more um, more attention than, than than could be found in most career programs. So I mean, most most career counselors will help you with your resume, your LinkedIn profile, or do a one hour strategy session, but. I think I think I've only met one other person that does what I do combines the career change with the the energy healing and yeah awesome and how do people I'm going to have this information in the podcast notes but uh, what is the best way to reach you what is your website um, what's that process that they start with you websites under construction um, best process would be um, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, Paula Cowan career transition strategist um, my email is resume at paulacowan.com and my last name is spelt Charlie Ocean Washington Apple Nancy um, and my Instagram handle is clear your path clear your path all one word yes. or no okay Instagram. So yeah, they can reach out to me any of those ways with their questions or they, they need some guidance or know someone who does, or by all means, if you know someone who is upset going in, signing in or going into work every day, by, by all means. Yeah. I know somebody yeah. exactly like that. Yes. Um, and before we sign off, is there something that we didn't talk about that you wanted to address? I think we covered a lot of it. Um, I think I'll just circle back to um, if you're in a situation that is it's really not making you happy or is no longer making you happy. I mean, the, there are options, um, it, even if you don't see them. Um, it, it, I mean, we all at some point in our lives need an objective third party to say, oh, no, no, no. Have you considered this? Yes. And there's at least three other options you didn't know about. And uh, let's explore them. And there's, yeah, so you don't have to be spending all your time at a, at a job that you hate or as you're a happier person, much happier parent. Um, it's, I remember one of, one of my contacts, she said, uh, if women are in a um, toxic work environment um, and feel they have to hold it in, it's, uh, it doesn't just stay, um, it doesn't stay held in the cut, the top comes off the volcano once they go home. They might be screaming at their kids, they might be drinking too much or doing other um, unproductive things. So I mean, if you're noticing that it, it's no job is worth that. I mean, if you really asked your kids, it, it, a job for slightly less pay where I'm not screaming at you every day, they're gonna say, yeah, take that. <laughs> Because yeah, I think that there, yeah. at this point, when I think um, there are people who, wherever they stages are, they are at life is this sort of um, helpless feeling that yeah. I, I I don't have options, I I don't have alternatives. Where I think as coaches, we're offering yes, there are so many more options that you're not mm -hmm. aware of that you already know. Yeah. So and so that's I think an important part of why I brought you on here was because you are, you're very specific in the industry of who you work with. And I liked your clarity because it was like, oh yeah. Cause I know so many people, especially with COVID yeah. who are like, look, examining their lives and thinking, well, hell, I don't have to stay here. I don't have to do this for the rest of my life until I retire or die. And yeah. it, it, there are so many more options out there that 
you know, when I started talking to, to you, Paula, about, you know, a conversation we had months ago was that I wasn't aware of like all these resources that, that were out there for people in terms of networking, in terms of where you put your resume. And, and it just, it's a, to me, it was like, cool. There's so much more out there than I was realized. I think this is great, but also you might need someone to guide you through it which yeah. is also a huge benefit. So as we were saying earlier about, about your friend that just says, gets a blank look when um, you, you tell her about networking. Uh, yeah, they, a lot of people, they need a reminder that yes, you, you do have viable skills. And uh, so th- these type of people, they're probably in a toxic work environment where their skills are just minimized. They're not taken yes. seriously enough. Yes. And it, it, so they often need a reminder. It's like, well, no, you don't need your coworkers approval. And uh they have their own reasons for not taking that seriously and they needn't have anything to do with you onward and upward. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's not, you're a bad person. If you want to leave your friends, you know, it, there's also all kinds of relationships we build in the working environment mm-hmm. that we're afraid to let go of yeah. the identity that I am capable and confident. And I know what I'm doing, but if I go to a new job, I'm not going to feel that way, or I'm going to miss my friends, lose my friends, lose some sort of uh, sense of, um, relevancy, whatever it is. So I think that this is such a, a big area that people need a lot of help in. So that's a big reason why I wanted to talk to you about it. Cause I was like, this is, this is fascinating to talk about. So, um, anyway, I'm just going to sign off and thank you so much, Paula, for being on. Um, and I'm going to have all of Paula's information on the show notes and, um, yeah. So thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And I'll see the rest of you next time.